What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. You heard the man. It's time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Some would even say the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. When the clock strikes 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you know it's time for Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am back for this week as your host. Joining me for today's show, he's the embodiment of the Akron Zips fan base, the man with the hottest takes, back for the second week in a row, the always passionate Mr. Pat Weber. And he's the funny man around the station, the man with the NHL wisdom like no other, and WZIP's official realist, Mr. Dan the Man Growing. How's it going? I am very excited to be on this show. This is probably the most excited I've been in a while because we have a lot to talk about, and I can't wait. It's going to be a great show. Now that we're acquainted, let's get right into what we're going to be discussing today. We'll kick off today's show with a little bit of basketball and some summer league action, as well as what's going on with the Upstart Golf League Live Golf and our weekly Around the Roost segment, followed by some MLB talk and the All-Star festivities and a look at the Guardians, of course. We will also have our weekly MLB Player of the Week segment. And then next up at 12, we'll dive into NHL free agency with expert analysis and breakdowns of all the moves by Dan and Pat. And lastly, we'll talk a little football and play a little game we like to call NFL Jeopardy. So without further ado, let's get right into it. We're going to start off, like I said, with a little bit of basketball talk, starting off with Kevin Durant and the Nets. It was reported that the Nets are looking to actually just hang on to Kevin Durant at this point as they're not receiving any offers that really, truly interest them. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. It just seems like this whole saga is just never-ending. You know, there's always conflicting reports about maybe he gets extended, maybe he goes somewhere else, and then obviously there's the whole Kyrie Irving situation. So it's just a saga that I feel like everyone just wants to be over with because we're just... I don't know. It's it's just so predictable. Everyone sees it coming from a mile away, and when it happens, it's just like, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. So I'm just I'm just hoping that it's over soon. I completely agree. I mean, if the Nets want to get rid of Kevin Durant, some of the trades that they've been wanting are outlandish, to say the least. Um, I would keep him for the time being. I mean, Kevin Durant, yes, he's one of the greatest basketball players in the league right now, in the world right now. But some of these trades where they want to take an entire team's roster 
and draft picks, not worth it. So if the Nets want to move like on from Kevin Durant, which is what Kevin Durant also wants, like he hinted he doesn't want to be there, they got to look to not try to steal entire teams. I would agree with you guys. Um, I think for a guy who seems to be quite temperamental, and every time he's not getting his exact way, he just leaves. And he's also, what, is he 36, 37 now? He's getting up there. I'm he's, not sure. He's a little older than the average star player is right now. I don't think I'd be willing to give up the entire farm for a guy who's temperamental and nearing the end of his prime and has proven that he can't win as your franchise player. Would you guys agree that you wouldn't want Kevin Durant to be like your centerpiece? Because it, it seems to me like every team he's on, unless he has like four other star players, it just doesn't work for them. I mean, if you get rid of the ego, I think he's got the talent, but it's just there. He's he's always trying to join some super team. He's always it's kind of like Kyrie Irving. He's never satisfied where he is, and I, I feel like he definitely is good enough talent wise to be that guy, to be the number one guy to lead a team to a championship or at least deep into the playoffs. But like I said, it's just he he's just got that ego and temperament and. You know, it just always blows up in his face. And, you know, he, he had to join a super team uh, in Golden State to even get a ring. So, you know, that says enough about him. I, I think that, you know, his his best days are gone. I wouldn't say his best days are gone yet, but he is 33. He's getting old. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to mess that centerpiece. I'm going to be honest. There's other players that I think, even though they're younger, they might average less points per game. I'd rather take the young guys right now, build up that chemistry with the young players. And like you guys said, he doesn't succeed without other stars on his team, unless he has like more than one star, because he didn't succeed with Russell Westbrook. He didn't succeed with Kyrie Irving. He only managed to do something when he had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So, yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, what did you guys make of that trade rumor that he was potentially going back to the Golden State Warriors? I, I it, it was like, like, Flashbacks. It was just deja vu all over again about like, oh, wow, is he really going to join a team that just won the championship yet again? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that happens because it didn't end very well for them. Uh, a lot of locker room issues. So I just don't see that happening if, you know, him and Draymond Green are going to be on the same team. Yeah, I was sick about that rumor, too. What did you think, Pat? Yeah, I was not a fan either. <laughs> Got a little bit of PTSD from that because... I mean, when he was paired up with them, they were easily the best team. Even though they might not have had, like, the best records from season to season, they still had the easily the most star power, like, in the league. And, but like Dan kind of said, the locker room issues are there. Him and Draymond Green, they do not get along. But, you know, I wouldn't be mad if he went back, because that would mean that uh, the one, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Kawhi Leonard, would have to come back in and stop that dynasty, which I'd be completely oh, man, fine with. Pat. <laughs> I love that uh, meme I saw on Twitter. It was like, Dad, how good was LeBron? And it shows a picture of uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Boogie Cousins all in one picture. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's just how talented he was. And, you know, it took a more than a 73-9 and team to beat LeBron in the finals. Absolutely. Moving on to our next topic, still sticking with the Nets, the other star player that they're having issues with, Kyrie Irving, former Cleveland Cavalier, who I strongly dislike. A lot of people's opinions differ up here at WZIP, but it's being reported now that the Nets are not focused on a Kyrie deal either. They were more focused on Kevin Durant. That could be changing now, as we talked about, that they'd prefer to keep Durant. But Kyrie Irving, obviously, 
A lot of talk about him going to the Lakers. Uh, it was reported that he's going to play in the Drew League with LeBron James the next time LeBron plays. Um, do you guys think that Kyrie Irving will end up in Brooklyn after picking up his player option, or do you think he's going to sit or force his way out like he tends to do most places that he goes? I'd be surprised if he stays there much longer. Um, you know, the, the Lakers have been rumored to be interested in him. I don't necessarily see why they would want him because at this point I feel like most teams have figured out that he is just too much of a distraction to where his value is not as good as it really could have been. You know, I but you know, there's gonna be some team out there that's gonna be dumb enough to sell the farm for him and think, Oh, he's gonna work here, but I think most teams have kind of said that, you know, you're a talented player, we know that, but you're a distraction, you are a diva a diva in the locker room. You know, how are we supposed to believe that you're going to be a net asset to this team that can lead us to success? Because not only is he not good enough to be that number one guy, he's very talented, no question, but he's not going to be that number one guy. And every time he is not the number one guy, he always has some sort of problem with uh, the locker room and the chemistry or something. So I don't know. I I think that obviously only one of them, I think, is going to stay there in Brooklyn. But even then, it's probably not going to be for long. I feel like they'd rather have Kevin Durant there than Kyrie, but I don't know. I just don't see them working out um, much longer than it is. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think that uh, Kyrie's going to be there. I think Kevin Durant will stay in Brooklyn, at least for this season. Um, But I don't know where Kyrie would go. I know, yeah, there have been talks about the Lakers, but I don't think the Lakers have the pieces to give up to try to make that trade because the only player they could really offer up to like replace that point guard is Russell Westbrook, and there is no way Russell Westbrook is going to play on the same team as Kevin Durant ever again. And yeah. Russell Westbrook is also the worst point guard in the entire league. So, Worst? Do you think the worst in the yeah. whole league? He was Ooh. like, he missed like, what was it, like 25% of his dunks or something? Like, you're, if he's a, he's a slashing point guard, right. he's known for his dunks and he's missing 25% of his dunks. Do you so. think that was due to Frank Vogel's uses of him? Like, do you think Darvin Ham makes a difference being the head coach of the Lakers if he if Westbrook sticks around on the Lakers? He it might make a little bit of a difference, but I think it's just because Westbrook, now that he's finally paired back with a like a star player with the caliber like LeBron James, like Kevin Durant, I think it's kind of showing that like the only reason that he looked so good in OKC with Kevin Durant was because he wasn't the main focus of that team. Kevin Durant was there. Yeah, he had that really good MVP season where he averaged a triple-double, but if you also look at the stats, he was the only player that the uh, Thunder were utilizing. So it's like, I think he finally hit him when he went back to another like big star player there, and it just didn't work out, because it didn't work out in Houston when he went there. So I think it's just kind of shining through that Westbrook, he's, he's a good solo player. He doesn't match well with other superstars. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, I think... I would agree that Kyrie Irving doesn't stick around on the Lakers, or excuse me, on the Nets for that long. I could see him going to the Lakers. I know a lot of people don't share this opinion with me up here, but I really would not want to see Kyrie Irving and LeBron James on another team other than the Cavs. I think it'd be disappointing because that was the whole reason that Kyrie wanted to leave so early. Mm -hmm. But I know Dan is one of those people who does not share that opinion. What do you think, Dan? I I would not want to see that, but... As I've said before on the show, I don't think it would work, so I wouldn't be... I, I wouldn't, like, hate it. I wouldn't, like, rage or whatever, but, like, it, it wouldn't sit well with me because, you know, obviously, that's the whole reason why the whole Cavs championship team blew up. 
So I don't think that they would get they would uh, perform well together. I don't think that they would get along. And just with how the t- the league is going nowadays, it's you know these super teams they're they're not working anymore like they used to. So if it happens, will I be a little bit kind of disappointed? Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think anything's going to come out of it. Pat, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of in the same boat. I would rather not see them team up again because, like you said, the whole reason Kyrie left is to, was to get away from LeBron because he wanted to be his own star. And it's kind of like, a, well, you kind of like fell flat on your face, and now, look, you're going to go crawling back to LeBron. So I wouldn't want to see it. I actually want Kyrie to go to, go to L.A., but not to the Lakers. I'd rather see him on the Clippers. I of think course you would. Fit. Well, listen, <laughs> just because my boy Kawhi is on there, that's not the reason why. I actually think the Clippers would be a very good fit for him. Because um, like that starting five would be really like it would be a solid starting five if you had Kyrie and he's got his coach. Exactly, you have Ty Lue there, and then not to mention, I mean, uh, Marcus Morris is eh. Marcus Morris, Zubac Zubac's pretty good. (laughs) That'd be a decent starting five. I think it would be a championship contender out of the West, but I mean, they still have to compete with the Warriors. But I mean, that's that's what I would like to see. I just don't want to see him go back to LeBron because it's kind of like a you kind of like stabbed us in the back. Exactly. That's the way I view it, too. I think it's a slap in the face to Cleveland because he was so up in arms that he did not want to play another year with LeBron, and now you're just going to go play with LeBron somewhere else because you didn't succeed. To me, that... That's not cool, man. Yeah. That's that's personal against Cleveland to not, me. Not to mention, I feel like that trade with the whole like Isaiah Thomas thing, I honestly feel like that ruined Isaiah Thomas's career. I think both teams lost that trade. I don't think there was a winner at all in that trade. I think the Cavs... We're not the right fit for Isaiah Thomas, and you're right. It, it torched him after that. I don't think he had any success on the floor with any team since, and he's had multiple comeback attempts, and it's just not working. Dude went from being an MVP candidate to not even being signed, and then there's Kyrie Irving who gets booed every time he goes back to Boston. Yeah, and wasn't the uh, pick that was sent to us, wasn't that, didn't we use that on Colin Sexton? We did. So in a way, we kind of okay. won that. You know, I didn't think about that. I mean, it wasn't an immediate uh you know, result, and it but might be over still. It might be, but <laughs> hey, Colin Sexton's been here longer than uh, Kyrie was was on the uh, Celtics. Very so. true. I hope we resign Sexton, but I would love to. But you know, we'll we've talked about this before, and you know, I don't know if we have enough time to discuss it. But you know, I, I feel like his trade value may be more valuable than what he is to the team, just because we have so much point guards on the team, so many players that play similar to him. I would love to have him here long term, but the 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 return that we would yield might be more valuable than what he is. But I don't know. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move off of the Brooklyn Nets here finally, as we are a radio station in Akron, not Brooklyn. We're going to move into a little bit of NBA Summer League, not too much, but we're going to talk a little bit about my first question is injuries in the Summer League. Obviously, the main one that has occurred, he wasn't a first-round pick, but he was a notable name. EJ Liddell went down with the torn ACL, got injured twice in the same game. What are your guys' thoughts on the Summer League as a whole? Is it worth it for teams to be putting their first-rounders out there who they know can play? Or do you think the Summer League should be used more for like G-leaguers or guys that are trying to prove their point and make their make their squad? I, I think the Summer League should be used for like G-leaguers. Like I understand the reasoning behind... like putting your first-round picks out there because, you, yeah, you drafted them. Yeah, they were the first-round picks, so you expect them to be good. But we know there's the history of, like, drafting bust players like Anthony Bennett. So it's like I understand why you're sending your players out there. But at the end of the day, 
a lot of these players, when they go out, even if they're the first round, and they're playing really well, and they have that potential to be an all-star, if they get hurt, then their career is already over, basically, off of games that mean nothing in the long run. I think that the Summer League should be used for, you know, guys that want to move up out of the G League, for guys that just got signed, you know, maybe went undrafted. I think that that's what this league should be used for, because it's a chance for those players to show that they know how to play and that they're ready to make that jump. And the first round and the second round, even the high second round, they've already proven their point, that they're NBA-ready. But the other guys, they have to get their chance, so I think it should be used, like you said, it should be used for only G League and, uh, like, unsigned players. Dan? I mean, I get what you're saying, but I feel like, like with the NBA... When you compare the draft to like other drafts in the league, the first round of the end or the first round, I'd say like maybe like the first 10 picks is what like the equivalent of a first round would be in a lot of other leagues. So even if you take someone in the first round and you draft them like, I don't know, like like 20th overall, there is definitely not a guarantee that they are NBA ready or that they're going to be good. So I think that the summer league is pretty important in helping developing players. You know, do I think that like maybe the top pick should be out there all the time getting like you know 30 plus minutes a game probably not do i think the summer league should be as long as it is probably not but i think that it is very valuable to uh a lot of prospects and players whether they were drafted 15th overall whether they were drafted 60th you know i think that it is important but i don't think it should be as long as it is and i think that maybe Maybe you can push it back a little bit. Maybe it can be closer to the season, and then maybe that can replace the preseason. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, there's only so much you can really do because for as much as we hate it, unfortunately, injuries are part of the game. And, you know, some of our favorite players, are, they're not immune to it. So I don't know if there's much fixing that needs to be done. If you're going to talk about in, an injury problem, I think we got to talk about shortening the NBA season, which... You know, that's probably not going to happen because you shorten the season, that's less money. But sometimes injuries are just part of the game, and whether we like it or not, they're not always preventable. I agree with both sides of your argument, honestly. I think that, yes, injuries are a part of the game, but I do think guys like the Magic shut down Paolo Bencaro, for an, for an example. And I think guys like that, maybe even like top 10 picks, just don't have any business playing in the summer league because you pick them knowing that they're going to immediately start for you and immediately play why would you risk that in a league that means nothing but apparently you get a ring for it now i didn't know i (laughs) it's going to be crazy when chet holgram has a ring before chris paul all right i'm going to stop you right there because (laughs) listen you you know because i have expressed multiple times i do not like oh i do not like i I would go as far to say i think he might be my most hated nba player wow already hasn't even played him in it's just because he's so cocky. Like, I understand that, like, you have all this hype around you, but there's no reason that in an interview, when you're asked who the best player in the league is, your answer is, me when I get drafted. Real? I think that's kind of, I don't like him, but I think that answer shows confidence. I mean, it shows confidence. He didn't call like, anybody out if he would have said, well, yeah, I'm better than LeBron. That well, makes, yeah. that's a stupid comment. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just happy that, like, so he had, like, a really good first game, and then he got humbled immediately he did the minute you put a guy with size against him he was done he was shut down so i mean he's just in my opinion he's just not going to have a chance against guys like joel and b because that's who he's going to be guarding that was my biggest concern with him heading into the draft I, i knew that he was really good in college 
but come NBA when you got guys who are, you know, twice, three times your size, I mean, yeah, he's got length, but it's it's something that is definitely very questionable. And um, I, I, I thought he would – I said he would be good. I just didn't think he'd be worth being, you know, the number two pick or whatever he was. I, I just – I'm not sure that he will be that star. But you never know because that was the same – um, complaint against uh, Kevin Durant when he came in. He was very thin. He was that was his uh, big knock on him, and he turned out to be well. So we'll see. Um, he's you know only a rookie. He's playing in however many games in the summer league, and I guess we'll just find out what happens with him. Should be interesting to see how his career plays out. Sticking with the summer league, your Cleveland Cavaliers closed out the summer league two days ago with a three and two record. And that game included 15 points and 10 rebounds and four assists from Isaiah Mobley, which I think was one of the steals of the draft. Have you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on Isaiah Mobley being a part of the Cavs and how the Cavs are finishing out the summer league? I was a big fan when we uh, drafted Isaiah Mobley. I like that we have the Mobley brothers because I think both of them, they're phenomenal players, and we saw how well Evan Mobley played. So having his brother, yeah, not as high, um, not a high-caliber player like Evan Mobley, but still very solid. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get on this team because we signed Robin Lopez. I was not a fan of that signing. I'm no. going to be honest. I didn't understand no, it either. There was no reason for us to sign him at all. So I think that's going to take minutes away from Isaiah Mobley. And I think he deser- I think Isaiah deserves a spot on this roster, and I think he could be a very valuable contributor off the bench. But, again, we signed Robin Lopez. I... So I do not see them letting Isaiah Mobley go. I think he'll either end up on our roster or on the charge in the G League. Yeah, I think he'll be very good on the in the G League. I think that'll be good for him. I think that, you know, it, it's nice for us fans to have both Mobley brothers on the team, but I think that that actually does benefit them because I think Isaiah is only going to get better because of Evan. I definitely. think that they're definitely going to help improve each other because they've grown up with each other, obviously. And so I really like the pick. Not only because they're brothers, but because I think he can be a very good contributor off the bench. Not right away. uh, He's still very uh, raw, but I think he'll be very solid. Um, So I really like what he's doing. I also liked a lot of what I saw from R.J. Nemhart, um, Ochai Abaji from the few minutes he played. He was looking really good. And then also someone who, it's not really reflected on the stat sheet, but I really liked Luke Travers. Yes. He... You mean Alex Henry? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alex Henry's a doppelganger. (laughs) He had six points, five rebounds, and three assists in his first game, which is like, oh, okay, you know. But he also had five blocks, and like I said, it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he seemed to have just a really good basketball IQ. He was very smart with the ball, and a lot of those intangibles is what you want to see from guys in the NBA. So kind of like Mobley, or Isaiah Mobley, I don't think that, He's going to be getting very many minutes, but I think that if needed, he can be a very solid contributor uh, some t- somewhere in the future. I definitely think so as well. I think he is a great pick. I I honestly didn't know who he was when we picked him at first. I was like, oh, that's random. But he actually looks like one of the better players in the summer league. What do you think, Pat? I completely agree. He embodies like that grit and grind of what a big man is supposed to do. He's hustling after everything. He's going after rebounds, going after loose balls. I mean, he I said he embodies what a true big man should play like, and I'm a big fan that we have him. He's going to be good on the charge, and hopefully we can see him in the league in like a couple of years. Absolutely. Talking about a few more top performers in the summer league before we get to break, 
Uh, Moses Moody of the Golden State Warriors, he had 34 points in 27 minutes against the Los Angeles Lakers. He sat against San Antonio, but then he put up 21 points and four assists in the next game. Uh, a guy that I've never heard of until the summer league. Um, another guy that's been performing well, Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets. He dropped 29 points against the Grizzlies to finish the summer league, averaging 29 points per game. And then, obviously, another one is Quentin Grimes of the New York Knicks. He dropped 24 points in all three of the Knicks' summer league games. Do you guys have any other top performers that I missed that you think are notable for the summer league? Uh, not necessarily, because you pretty much listed most of them off. And I haven't really been paying much attention outside of the Cavs, quite honestly, uh, to be completely honest with you. But there are a lot of names that I think are making a really big splash right now and I think could be very, uh, very solid contributors. And I really, like I said, I really like what I'm seeing in the, uh, with the Cavs, with RJ Nemhart, with Isaiah Mobley, with Luke Travers. And I think Ochai Abaji is going to be a much better, uh, player than what a lot of people thought we would get. I think he's going to be an immediate contributor, and he's going to be a great value for what we got from him. I got to say, for me, one of the best uh, performers in the summer league, it's going to surprise a lot of people, but Mac McClung okay. has been playing out of his mind in this summer league. That's a good take. He's averaging 13.3 points per game and 4.5 assists. That's pretty solid. I don't know why the Lakers got rid of him, but they did. Because he's playing for Golden State now, but I did I they get fan. rid of him? Or in, I feel I like in the just, summer league, you're able to just pick people up. Well, I know that going like after uh, his like brief little time with the Lakers, I know they released him. Okay, so I think he just signed with Golden State, and I was playing in the summer league. But he's playing really well. He is. So I'm glad to see he's playing. And then obviously, the first overall pick, uh, Paolo Banchero. We're not surprised that he's a star. Of course not. At all. If you're getting dominant. sat down in the summer league, that means you're pretty good. Yeah, he played two games, and in those two games that he played, 20 points, five rebounds, and six assists in two games. Fantastic. That's phenomenal. I'm excited to watch him play. I think the Magic have hope for their franchise now. I think he is the most NBA-ready player out of the top ten that was picked. I agree. And I didn't think he was going to go number one originally, but now that he did, and I've seen him play in the summer league a little bit, it makes sense. It just shows the level of preparation that Duke basketball really has within their program and how they're able to just push out pro athletes like that, as opposed to other programs who only might even have like one every one NBA ready player every like 10 years. Yeah. It just shows the level of consistency with Duke basketball. Um, before we head to break, we also, I wanted to bring up Keegan Murray of the Kings. The Kings are a franchise that do not have much hope. And it seems that Keegan Murray might be a bright spot for them. He had 23 points and three assists in his last game played against the Pacers. Pat, what are your thoughts on Keegan Murray? And do you think that he makes the Kings at all better? I do think he makes the Kings better. The Kings, like you mentioned, they haven't had a whole lot to look forward to. The past few seasons, they've been very subpar. The only hope they've had is De'Aaron Fox, who I think should try to leave the Kings as soon as possible to save his career. Definitely. But I do think he makes the Kings better. Immediately. I think that when he steps up on that floor, like obviously the averages will drop because you're going to be playing against actual NBA-ready players. like You're playing against these stars. But I think he will fit very nicely in with the Kings system, and I think he's going to elevate um, De'Aaron Fox to another level. Definitely. All right. That is going to take us into our first break. Make sure you stick with us as we have Live Golf coming up as well as a little bit of MLB talk. You won't want to miss it right here on WZIP 88.1. Stick with us. 
All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk on Z88. I am your host, Logan Conger. Once again, joining me is... Pat Weber. And... I'm Dan Groen. Welcome back to the show. We just finished talking about the NBA, and we're going to get into a little bit of golf, which doesn't happen much on this show, but I felt like this topic was worthy of being talked about. Oh, absolutely. The topic, of course, is live golf versus the PGA Tour. Let me give you a little background on what's going on with this. Live Golf is a new upstart Saudi Arabian-backed league, and it consists of multiple teams and only 56 players. Everybody gets cash prizes. It's kind of an everybody wins type of thing, and a lot of PGA players, which is the prominent golf league in the United States, are defecting over to LIV Golf, and they're trying to prove that they can play. They should still be able to play in majors, but it's very frowned upon by a lot of PGA players and definitely the PGA organization. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Do you think that Live Golf is good and energizing for the sport of golf, or do you think that it does hurt the integrity of the game? As someone who is not a golf fan, I think this is great for the sport because it has us talking about it in the mainstream. I mean, when was the last time we talked about golf on uh, here on Sports Power? I don't think it's ever happened since I've been up here. Pro- yeah, I don't think so either for me, and I've been up here even longer than you. So I I really like this uh, for the sport because a lot of the biggest names are going there. You know, I kind of see this like the Attitude Era from uh, WWE, then known as the WWF when uh, WCW was around. They were just taking some of the biggest names out of wrestling, and then it just completely blew up the wrestling world. And we're almost kind of seeing that again with AEW now. Shout out to Jake. I know that you're a huge AEW fan. Um, I think that this is very similar because a lot of the biggest names are heading over to live. You know, Phil Mickelson is just to name many, many. So I really like this. I like the competition that it brings. You know, the PGA, the ratings are at an all-time low. And like I said, here we are talking about it. And I think that a lot of people who maybe aren't golf fans, I think they're going to come back and they're going to watch it. And, um, you know, with, with Tiger Woods, you know, regressing a lot since that horrible uh, car accident, I think he's not going to last much longer. And I think that he's the one hope that PGA has. Um, again, speaking as a casual, you know, someone who doesn't know much about golf. But I think that once Tiger Woods is gone, I don't think that there's going to be much left of PGA now that all these players are going out to live and... um I don't know. I just think it's really good for the game. Pat, what do you think? I completely agree. Um, I am a little bit of a golf fan. I will admit I enjoy watching it from time to time. I think this is good for um, golf as a sport because it's kind of like Dan said. It's like a re-energizing feel to the sport. Um, The thing is, I know that the PGA frowns upon them playing in the big tournaments, but when you look at stuff like the U.S. Open and the British Open, they're opens. So they're open for everybody. Like you can go play no matter what league you're a part of, or anything. So I think they should be allowed to play in those. I don't know why the PGA is getting so iffy with that. Like yes, you know, like Phil Mickelson left. A lot of the bigger names are are leaving the PGA to go to the uh, LIV. But I don't really see how that's an issue because I think what they should try to do is work together. Because the PGA, as the prominent golfing league in the world, they have been regressing a lot recently. Um, and kind of like you said, Dan, with Tiger Woods and how much he's regressed since his injuries. I just don't think that Tiger's body can keep up with the strain that he's putting on himself anymore. Um, because we we know in the past, we've seen Tiger Woods, he'll get injured and he'll come back stronger than ever. But I think he's just hit a point where he just can't do it anymore. 
Um, the PGA, though, they do have some promising players. Like I think my personal favorite young and upcoming golfer right now is Will Zalatoris. I think he's a phenomenal golfer. He's very young. But outside of him, there's not a whole lot of promise for the PGA. So I think they've got to cooperate at least with the LIV if they want golf as a like professional sport to survive. I would agree with that. I'm kind of indifferent on the topic as I do follow golf a little bit. And I think that if you threw the kind of guaranteed money at me that they're throwing at guys like Phil Mickelson, Ian Poulter, uh, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, if you're throwing that kind of guaranteed money at me, I, I don't think I can say here on the air that I would be able to say no. Yeah, but, take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And to be honest, they don't really have to compete for it. It's get like... It's, I feel like it's less of a stress for guys that are defecting over to that league. So they don't have to perform well to make their money. They can just go to this wherever this tournament is. They have their guarantee money. If they shoot an 80, they shoot an 80, whatever. They still get $100 million. Um, but as That's a golf fan, point. I think it's sad to see the PGA Tour losing its credibility, and I've never in my lifetime seen any other league challenge the PGA, and I think that's why the PGA Tour is freaking out about it because I don't think yeah. they're 100% sure how to handle what is going on, and they're losing top golfers to the league, which if they were smart, they wouldn't be losing them. They would be saying, okay, fine, you can go do that too because the yeah. PGA isn't a league. We keep calling it a league. It's not a league. It is a membership, so... They have control over whoever wants to be. It's not like there's signed contracts. There's, They can tell whoever they want they can play in the PGA. So I think that the PGA Tour is just frantic about what's going on, and this is an unprecedented thing that they've never had to deal with. And, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about how no matter how well you do, you're getting pretty big paychecks over at Live. Does that impact how competitive the game is? Are we going to see as good of a brand of golf? Because if you're, like you said, if you're hitting a plus 80 and you're still getting the same money, are people really going to be as competitive? Is it going to be as fun to watch? I I think absolutely not. I think it hurts the competitiveness of the game by a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's something I didn't really think about, actually. What do you, what do you think, Pat? Do you think it hurts the competitiveness with um, all the guaranteed money? I don't really think it hurts that much. I mean, obviously, it, it's going to add... These golfers are going to be less stressed and less uptight while they're playing. Because if you've ever gone like to a golf tournament, these uh, players, they don't interact with fans at all. They are locked and they're focused. Um, I've actually had the privilege to go to a practice round for the Memorial Tournament, which was phenomenal because they actually interact with fans. I think that because there's less stress, I think they're going to interact with fans more, which is what I think is like a huge upside to the LIV because with the guaranteed money, it doesn't matter where you're going to finish. You're getting money. Where in the PGA, if you don't finish, I think it's like out of the top 10, you're not really getting money, so it's not worth it in the long run, so you have to be focused. Well, now these golfers are going to be more relaxed, and they're going to be willing to interact with fans, and it's going to be like create a whole new experience that everyone's really going to like. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Again, I'm, I'm kind of trying to balance all the pros and cons out because... Like I said, I'm not a big golf fan, but this whole thing is really interesting. Just you know, hearing you know the pros and cons of of all of this, and you know how the live is just or the LIV, however you say it, is just taking off. So it's kind of interesting. It definitely is interesting. And guess what, guys? It is going to be our around the roo question for this week. 
on WZIP Sports' Twitter account. Make sure you go on there and vote. It'll be posted here shortly. The question is, once again, should LIV golfers be allowed to participate in PGA Tour majors? So, Pat, Dan, what are your answers to our Around the Root question this week as the voters get ready to go on our Twitter account and share their thoughts? Oh, man, I see both sides, but I'm usually one to side with the players. I think that I'm usually one that thinks they should have a little more freedom, so... I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to actually combat that a little bit. I think when it comes to the Opens, because they are open to everybody, I think if it's an Open tournament like the U.S. Open or British Open, yes. But if it's something like the Masters, I I say no. Because that that's the PGA's route. That's their, tor- that's their tournament. Like you said, it's a membership. So the PGA has a say on what they want to have for that tournament. So I think, like, for the Masters then, they keep that close for just the PGA. But at the end of the day, like I said, the U.S. Open, the British Open, they're open. So everybody's allowed to come play, so I think that's fine. But don't put LIV golfers in with the Masters. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess you changed my mind there because, (laughs) (laughs) again, I don't know much about this. So I'd have to agree with you. I don't think they should just be completely exiled, but... I guess if you do, I guess if you do defect, you shouldn't be able to. I guess participate in anything. But again, they're open, so I guess you should be allowed to do that if if it's uh, if they're opens. Golf is a very interesting sport, so I suggest people actually watch. It's I know I know it looks boring, but like when there's really big shots that happen and like really good uh, shots, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, like I said, it's, if it's an open, everyone's allowed to go and play. So therefore. I think all players should be allowed to come back. I don't think the PGA should try to close off the Opens because then it's no longer an Open. Like, that's been the whole draw for a lot of these Opens is that, you know, some of the guys who no longer play in the PGA, they still come back to these tournaments to play. So I think that's a huge draw for that. But like I said, with the Masters, no. Keep keep that closed for just the PGA because uh, it's their it's their thing. It's their tournament. Don't take it away from them. I would 100% agree. I think that LIV golfers should understand the consequence of joining. Obviously, guaranteed money, there's no real consequence. You're making a ton of money. But um, I think they should understand the quote-unquote consequence of joining a different league because the LIV is a league. And I think they shouldn't be able to do things like the Masters. I think that's more prestigious and home to the PGA. But I... Obviously, the British Open, they're completely enabled to play in it right now. It's going on right now as we speak. And there's been a lot of hype around that. But another consequence of playing in opens like that is they haven't been giving LIV golfers any press conference time. They've been giving them terrible tee times, which, honestly, I don't know if that's appropriate. What are you guys' thoughts on them kind of putting the LIV golfers in a bad position? That's an absolutely that, – that's just a terrible look for the PGA. I mean, that is – that's just downright disrespectful because no matter how you look at it, the LIV golfers that are there, they're still some of the best golfers in the world. Like They can compete with people in the PGA. Some of the guys that left were the best of the best in the PGA before they left. And I think that now, you know, yeah, you might be a little upset that they left your league. You're getting less, you know, of a spotlight. But that shouldn't, you shouldn't just take that out on them by giving them these really bad tee times where, you, you know, you're thinking nobody's going to come out and watch them. Because all you're doing is just enabling fans to stay longer and like watch these guys. Because they're there to watch the big names in golf. It doesn't matter what league you're a part of. If I know Phil Mickelson's playing, then I'm going to go watch Phil Mickelson. I don't care if he's in the PGA. I don't care if he's in the LIV. It's a very bad look for the game of golf and very bad look for the PGA right now. 
Dan? I agree with what both of you guys said. I think it's a bad look, and I think it's very disrespectful. And in a way, it almost kind of is. It almost kind of admits. It's like the PGA is admitting that they're losing to LIV. It, it, they should not be putting those golfers into that kind of position. I think it's just a horrible look for them, and um, they need to do something to get themselves right back on track to compete with the LIV. I would definitely agree. I think that it definitely makes the PGA look a little bit downgraded that they're doing that to some of their more prominent golfers. Like guys like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, they all have major wins. I am personally not a fan of either of those golfers. I think they're both very egotistical and don't really understand what the game of golf is really about. I think they're all about the money, but I mean, that might be the way that most golfers think now. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned on that. That is kind of the mindset nowadays because for a lot of these golfers, like, one major win is going to change their life forever. So they have to focus on, like, yeah, they play golf because it's a gentleman's sport. They enjoy the game. They respect the game. But at the end of the day, like, they have to compete for the money. And I know a lot of these guys, they focus on just the money. So, like, I agree that, like, especially with, like, Brooks uh, Kepka, they don't care about the game. They care about the money. That's starting to become the mindset nowadays. That's why I think a lot of these golfers went to LIV because they want that money. Which I can respect it because in the PGA, like I said, if you don't finish in like the top ten in the tournament, you're really not getting paid anything. Right. So, and you're not even really noticed at that point. Yeah, it's just kind of a who are you type of situation, and then you occasionally get like that one breakout player. Like I said, this year it's definitely Will Zalatoris for the PGA. But I mean, other than that, like maybe once every five years you get a breakout star like that. Definitely. All right, we're going to be segueing away from golf here as we get into our MLB segment, which is our director Jake Murren's favorite. Starting off with, of course, everybody's favorite all-star game event, the Home Run Derby. The eight participants in this year's Home Run Derby are Kyle Schwarber, Pete Alonso, Corey Seager, Juan Soto, Jose Ramirez, Julio Rodriguez, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Albert Pujols, which is a surprising pick to me. We're going to run through this, and I'm gonna, I would like to get you guys' picks on who you think is going to win this and why. I'll start with you, Pat. You have the list of participants. Who do you think is going to come out on top of this coveted All-Star Game festivity? I've got to give it to the land's very own Jose the okay. Goat Ramirez um, under the sole fact that he is the GOAT in the MLB, and he will win the AL MVP, which I have been saying for a while. Okay, you still think that, even though I he do. did not make it over Devers? Okay, first of all, that's because the fan voting, which I'm I not I do think fan of. voting I, is I really messed up. Because... It's like, like Jake said, Boston fans are going to vote more than Cleveland fans. 100% plus their fan base is much larger than Huge. our fan base. Same with Toronto. I mean, you saw how many you saw how many fans voted for the, their guys in Toronto. They have a whole country voting for them. Right. Yeah, it's just not a not great. I mean, like I said, Jose Ramirez, he is going to win the AL MVP. The only person that might win it over him right now is Aaron Judge, but that's just because Aaron, Judge, like Aaron is, Judge I don't like him either, but he's <laughs> really good. <laughs> so... Got to give him his respect, but no, Jose Ramirez is going to take home the coveted Home Run Derby chain, add it to that little collection of chains that he has, because uh, he's the GOAT. He's going to show people how the land likes to do it. Dan, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to bring it home? Well, Pete Alonso has won twice in a row, so I think he'd be very hungry for a third. I also like Kyle Schwarber, but you know what? I think Jose Ramirez is going to take it because... Okay. Because two for two. I think he is going to uh, seek revenge on not winning uh, the or not being an all-star starter because you know how he is, you know, that, you know, big egotistical personality that he's got. You know, I think he's going to be livid about it. But, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, he 
he hit two home runs yesterday, which I guess we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so he's getting hot at the right moment, and I think that he could very well win this. I, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree with you guys. I'm not going to be a homer on this one. I think Jose Ramirez gets no close, but I am going to give the nod to Pete Alonso getting his third home run derby championship this year in L.A. I think, like Dan alluded to, I think he's just going to be that hungry for a third, and he's proven that he can do it already. But I would, my pers- my realistic pick is Pete Alonso, but I would love to see Jose Ramirez win yeah. it. I think that'd be great. A lot of people were surprised that he was even in the home run derby, and Jake was one of them. Jake actually released a tweet about it saying, I wasn't expecting this, but hey, we'll... We'll take it. I'll watch him. What do you guys more than uh, pool holes? <laughs> Were you guys thinking that Ramirez would be included on that list? I'm going to be honest. No, I'm surprised Aaron Judge didn't make the list right, right. now because Aaron Judge has been on a tear as of late. Um, that surprised me, but I'm not going to complain. Obviously, because give the goat some time to shine. But uh, yeah, it really surprised me, especially when Albert Pujols was in that. Like I understand it's his last. All Star game. He's retiring. It's kind of like a season. Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade pick from the All Star game a yeah, few years but, ago. But they didn't put him like at the three point contest or the dunk contest or anything. So it's like, why right. are you why are you putting Albert Pujols in the home run derby? We're like, no disrespect to Albert Pujols, but like, why why is he there right now? Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Dan, what do you think about Jose Ramirez being picked? Were you expecting it? Not really, but I'm glad it happened for sure because, like I said, I think that he easily should have been an all star starter. But that's neither here nor there. I really like him being in this. I think he'll do very well. I think he will maybe – well, I have him winning it all. Just That's just my heart. That's just the homer in me. Again, no pun intended. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. Before I forget, I want to bring this up too. Um, a guy that's in this derby, Juan Soto, rejected a 15-year, $440 million offer from the Nationals, the Washington Nationals. To me – I don't. I that just means him. he doesn't want to be in Washington because that's absurd. Him. What are your guys' thoughts on Soto rejecting that offer? I can't blame him because the Nationals. Really? The, I can't. The Nationals are a dumpster fire. You're telling right me now. that if somebody said, "Hey, Pat, you want four hundred and forty million dollars to play baseball?" You'd say, "Nah, I'm not going to play there." I mean, I would say yes, but I understand if you want to get out because there's other teams. I guess he wants to have a chance at winning a ring, which he's not going to have playing in. He's got Washington. fifteen years to do it. <laughs> yeah, I know he's got fifteen years to do it. But that fifteen mean. years. Fifteen years. I don't think I don't. Four hundred and forty million dollars. You're telling me that's not something you would even consider. You just outright reject it. I just don't see the Nationals coming close to the World Series. I just don't. I don't see it happening. They 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 got lucky in 2019 when they won without Bryce Harper. But even then, it's like if you were to give if you were given the option, you can have almost half a billion dollars, or you could have a World Series ring. You would want the ring over the. Half I think they'd take dollars. half a billion dollars. <laughs> I would. I mean, I'm. I'm not saying I wouldn't take the money, but I don't blame him for wanting to leave Washington either. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I would take the money, but like I can't blame him for wanting to leave because that organization is on fire right now. And the reason I bring this up as well is, of course, Toxic Guardians Twitter really would like the Cleveland Guardians to give up the entire farm to try and trade for Sotos. I just say we give them. Our entire Akron Rubber Ducks organization. No, give them the organization. No, not the Ducks. ducks. All right, then the Clippers. We can can just give Give them them nothing. That's a terrible offer. Nah, it's one. So you would give up our 
whole future for one dude that just turned down a $440 million offer. I know Dan's at, against at the, that. At the absolute most, I would give up maybe the Lynchburg Hillcats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't. I, would, I don't think I would, that fits for the Guardians. I think we need to just focus on what we have because it's working. That is that is true because I will admit that the only reason that like I would have been more adamant that, like yes, I want to get Juan Soto is if Nolan Jones wouldn't have been called up because he is playing very well. That was a good call. Right now. So he like the missing piece that we had was right field for a while. And now that we have that, I'm like, okay, you know what, never mind because we can slot Juan Soto in there if we were to get him. But I also wouldn't be comfortable because I know the Nationals are going to want a lot in return. Probably, if we ever tried to make that trade, they want like Andres Jimenez and Jose Ramirez, which I am not okay with. No, definitely not. I'm not okay with giving up. I'm not okay with giving up anybody other than Austin Hedges. They can have him. Yeah, just one for one, straight up. (laughs) Who says no? Austin Hedges is probably one of my least favorite players of all time. I just don't get why people think that, even if we wanted it to happen, let's just say we wanted to sell the farm, okay? How do people expect that to happen on a team that's owned by Paul Dolan? Exactly. We were extremely, extremely lucky that Jose Ramirez didn't care about the money. He didn't go anywhere else. He didn't go to Toronto, New York, L.A., nowhere. He wanted to stay here. If that was anyone else, he'd be packing his bags. He'd be gone. We are. We were extremely fortunate that Jose Ramirez is the loyal star that he is. We don't so know. We need. He's, he's here for the next seven, eight years. We need to build around him. We got really good pieces. I'm loving the consistency that we see out of uh, Ahmed Rosario, out of Andres Jimenez. Uh, Nolan Jones is looking spectacular. We just need to stick with what we got because we got the youngest team or maybe one of the youngest teams in the entire league. So to to sell all that in a team sport for one guy, it's not going to work. We've seen how that worked in the last couple years when it was just Jose Ramirez hitting and then maybe Fran Mil Reyes. Right. So I, I'm, you know, obviously I would love to see Juan Soto in a Guardians jersey, but it's just not going to happen. And I'm not willing to give up our entire team to land him. Absolutely. Sticking with the MLB and, of course, the Guardians, we have our favorite, our director's favorite segment of the week, the MLB Player of the Week segment, where each week here on Sports Power Talk, each analyst picks their favorite MLB player. For whatever reason, it could be an emotional reason, a stats reason, anything. Every analyst picks their favorite player for the week and tells why. And this week, I'll start with you, Pat. Who is your MLB player of the week? I have to give it to the one, the only, the GOAT of Ohio, the King of Ohio, Jose Ramirez. Man, you, you pick him for everything today. I, I'm, listen, I could have I could have gone with Andres uh, Jimenez, but... I, I can't turn down Jose, especially after what? last night with his two home runs. Carried us to that 10-0 win over the Tigers. This week, he's been on fire. He's tallied so far, um, not counting today because they haven't played yet. Uh, he's tallied about seven hits, seven RBIs, three home runs. You can't deny that. That's just great because we were on a very bad losing streak for a while. And Jose Ramirez always finds a way, like the goat he is, to carry us out of that. I'm Dan. gonna I'm gonna have uh, co-players of the week one okay. from each league. I'm gonna have to give one to Tristan McKenzie. Twelve strikeouts, zero earned runs through eight innings versus the Tigers last Thursday. Beautiful. That's pretty impressive. Impressive. He has been very hot as of late. He was someone who I was very critical of all season. Very inconsistent, but he has definitely bounced back without outing. 
And then in the NL, I have Clayton Kershaw. He almost had a no-hitter against the Angels on Friday. He had one hit allowed through seven innings. So those are my two uh, picks for player of the week or co-player of the week. Both great picks there from Dan and a great pick from Pat. Pat, you actually said my pick. My yeah. pick is Andres Jimenez. And I say that because he got the opportunity to replace Jose Altuve as a starter for the AL. Um, that's fantastic. Um, un- I never wish injury on anybody. That's unfortunate that Altuve is injured. But if yeah. anybody is not going to play, I'm very glad I don't have to watch Altuve play. That little cheater. It's so much better <laughs> to see Andres Jimenez get that nod at the starting position. He is my player of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to throw this in. My... MLB not player of the week oh, God. is Juan Soto's because you are <laughs> insane for yes. turning down $440 million Almost to play the game of baseball. Dollars. You are wow. nuts. You're crazy. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's hard to it's hard to disagree with uh, your pick on uh, Jose Ramirez. I He was probably my pick, too. I just I got to disagree with someone up here. We, we say Jose Ramirez's name too much. I mean, you can't love him enough. But, you know, we, we got to keep it interesting around here. So, otherwise, I would definitely pick Ramirez because of the five RBIs and two homers he had against the Tigers yesterday. Hard to argue with that. I really love what this team's doing, and I just love the future of the uh, Guardians. We're winning the World Series this okay, year. Okay, Pat. All right. <laughs> I'm here with my hot take now. We're winning the World Series. Okay, can you, explain, can you explain what makes you think that? If. There's an if to this. Okay. If our pitching, because I don't know why, but we've always had phenomenal pitching in the past, but haven't been able to hit. And that is the polar opposite for yeah. this season. We are playing phenomenal offense, but we cannot pitch. Yeah. Shane Bieber, a Cy Young winner, is three and six. Yeah. Not that good. is not our best pitcher stat, like win wise, is Cal Quantrill. That's Eesh. not good. So that's I'm crazy. It, I didn't even think about it like that. You're right. Yeah, and it's weird because we only have one good pitcher, and it's Emmanuel Classe. He's the only good pitcher, and he's in our bullpen. Our bullpen is abysmal this year. It so is. So I'm saying if if we can get like better pitching, if we can have more consistent pitching going in the second half of the season, there's no way that we can't win. Like we can at least go back in the playoffs and at least try to make a run again. There, there's no way that we can't do that. Yeah, I. I can see your point. I don't know if I 100% agree that the Guardians are going to be in the World Series, but you never know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see the Braves making it last year. But, That's uh, true. I can't, you know, can't, I can't uh, blame you speaking with your heart, Pat. We're going to beat the Yankees. Okay. The fact that <laughs> All I, right, Pat. I want us to go into the playoffs. If we go to the playoffs, I want us to play the Yankees because I want us to remember how their fans treated our players. That's true. I want that yes. to simmer because nobody likes Yankees fans. I think Yankees fans might be the worst fan base ever. Like, out of any sport. or I That was a past around the root question. I, well, I, I picked Boston fans for that. But that's just because the entire city of Boston is toxic. New York, they actually, you know, if I was a Jets fan, I wouldn't be so sad. Because he got that dog in him. He got that dog in him. <laughs> Zach, Zach Wilson. Well, Zach Wilson's actually, he's not bad. He just had Adam Gase. Wait, no, he didn't have Adam Gase. Yes, he did have. Right. Yeah, he did for like. No, he was a rookie half. last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Jets are still. They have a lot of upside, especially with Sauce Gardner now. They got my boy Sauce. They do. So. But before we get off topic, heading into our next break, you'll want to stick with us because we are going to get into Pat and Dan's favorite segment, which we haven't done in a long time. That's right. The NHL free agency segment. Lots of moves to break down, and you will not want to miss it as Pat and Dan are our NHL experts up here. You will not want to miss it. As I said before, stick with us right here on Z88. We will be right back. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk. 
for our next segment, the NHL free agency segment, which I know is Pat and Dan's all-time favorite segment. Are you guys ready for it? Uh, yeah, I I want to. I was gonna start it off because I was like I was like waiting for you to introduce us, but I was gonna start it off with the Blue Jackets power play thing. Yeah, Dan knows what's up with that. <laughs> but uh, I'm ready to get into this hockey talk. It's gonna be pretty good. Um, so what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna run through all of the free agency signings, and Pat and Dan are gonna break them down for you. I can't wait to uh, hear you try to pronounce half these names. You see. <laughs> it's going to be quite interesting, Dan. Yes. <laughs> so, we'll start off with the Penguins re-signing Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. yeah. You got it? Yeah. yeah. You got, yeah. Right. Evgeny Malkin, but yeah, you got it. I we mean, got the first one. Which and that's is, one of the easier ones, too, on right. this list. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Luck. What do you guys think about this signing for the Penguins? Um, I'm kind of surprised that he actually ended up coming back because it seemed like they were at like an impasse right there in... Uh, with the uh, in Pittsburgh, but he's been there since even longer than Sidney Crosby has been. Um, he's, he's being paid a little more than I would want because he's not nearly the same player as he was during their Stanley Cup run or Stanley Cup runs because they've had a big uh, run twice actually. So they they overpaid a little bit in my opinion, but I guess if, they're still a playoff team. So I guess if you want to keep that veteran presence, he's not making as much as he would have liked, but. I think that it's probably as good as either one of them would have wanted. I completely agree. Um, overpaid him a little bit, but you got to think for the Penguins that you can't take away a guy who's been there basically his entire career, especially with the chemistry he has with Sidney Crosby. You can't really break that up if you want to hope to, you know, make like you said a couple more playoff runs. So it's good to see that uh, Malkin went back. Uh, I was kind of hoping that the Jackets would somehow get him, but I knew there was no way that we were going <laughs> to pick up a uh, Penguins player. But, um, you know, like Dan, like you said, it overpaid him a little bit, but his veteran presence on that team is what they needed right now. And keeping him with Sidney Crosby, keeping that duo together is what the Penguins should have done, and I'm glad to see that they did that. And the Penguins also picked up John Ruda. Very close. Jan Ruda. Ah, I, I really so like this. So unfortunate. Yes. I actually think that this is probably a steal for them because I think he he's a very young defenseman and he got a lot of uh, playing time, a lot of development with that Stanley Cup, the two-time Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. So I think that they got a really good value out of him. I think that he's got a uh, top pair potential. In fact, I think he was playing on the top pair with Victor Hedman in Tampa Bay. So for them to get him for three years and only $8.25 million total, I think that's a steal for them. I was a huge, huge fan of the signing. The Penguins have needed a little bit of help on the defensive end as of late. So picking up, um, picking him up is one of the, it's probably one of the best moves in this offseason. Especially Dan, like you said, paying him that like that little is huge. So for the Penguins, they made some pretty good moves this offseason. Even though I'm not a big fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's good to see them making moves. It's good to see that, you know, they're always going to be around because they do have a lot of history with that uh, franchise. So it's good to see that they'll be around. They'll be contenders every now and then. Um, yeah. All right, next up, we're going to move on to the Seattle Kraken. They signed Andre Burakovsky to a five-year, $25.7 million deal. Was that right or wrong? That is right. You got it. Yes, Andre Burakovsky. Um, I really like this one, too, because... Kind of like what they did with uh, what the Penguins did with Jan Ruda. They got someone with championship experience, someone who's very solid. 
um, offensively. This guy is a forward, not a defenseman, uh, like uh, Jan Ruda was. But still, Seattle Kraken, this is exactly the player they need. This is, they're going into their second year, and I think that he's going to help them significantly improve. I think they are definitely on the right track to building a very solid team. Not as quick as the Vegas Golden Knights did back in 2017, but the Seattle Kraken, I really like the moves that they've been making. They got arguably the best pick in the draft. They got a couple good players with championship experience. I really like what they're doing. I think this is a good pick. I completely agree. The Kraken, um, like you mentioned, they didn't experience that immediate success like the Golden Knights did. While I do think the Golden Knights kind of lucked into who was available in that expansion draft, I think that's what helped them. But for the Kraken, I mean, they were a very young team. Yeah, they finished, I think, last in their uh, division. But you can't really expect too much from a new team. But getting Andre, getting his presence, like you said, getting one of the best forwards out there, phenomenal move by the Kraken. And when they have him for the five years, they can look to build around him, start getting a more developed team. And I wouldn't be surprised you know, if we see him in the playoffs in the next four or five years. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our next one. It looks like we have. Give me a second. I'm going to try and say this one. Oh, easy one we got. Anaheim Ducks signed Ryan Strom to a five-year, $25 million deal. Is that one correct? Yep. All right, perfect. Probably the right answer for me. What do you guys think about that one? Uh, Ryan Strom, I really like this one, too. $5 million a year. He was a very good center for the New York Rangers, one of the more underrated players, and also one of the more underrated players on the uh, from that Rangers team that also went to the Ducks is Frank Vetrano, three years, $10 million. Uh, almost 11 million. I think he's probably the most underrated player from that whole team. I really like the grit that he plays with. Um, I think the Anaheim Ducks, they got a lot of young pieces with Zegris and Drysdale. I think that these are the pieces that they need to build themselves into a very good uh, team to compete in the West. Not a, not a cup contender, but to compete up there with the rest of them in that Western Conference. I completely agree. Like you said, they're not going to be uh, cup contenders with the players they signed, but they're very solid. The Ducks, I mean, in the past, they haven't really had too much success, but having them around, having them be, you know, playoff contenders is what they need right now. So it's pretty good. Um, big fan of the signing there because, like, I completely agree with you. I think Strom is one of the most underrated players in the entire NHL, and I think they got an absolute steal only for getting him for only, what, five mil a year? Yeah. I think that's an absolute steal for the Ducks. I think that's very good. That's what they needed to do. That's the proper move. So good moves by their front office. Um, they've needed to improve its center for quite some time. And getting, like you said, again, like one of the most underrated centers, one of the better stars in the league, that's what they needed to do. It's what they did, and good for Anaheim. Uh, next up for the Anaheim Ducks, they picked up Frank Vertrano on a three-year $10.95 million deal. Right? Wrong? Uh, yep, we got that. I actually already did uh, mention him a little bit briefly with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, like I said, very underrated player, and I think he's going to contribute a lot. Um, maybe not the most efficient score, but definitely has the intangibles, definitely has that grit and physicality that you want. All right. Moving on to the Chicago Blackhawks. A uh, couple pickups for them, starting off with Max Domi. Is that right? Yep. All right. And they also picked up Andreas Athanasiu. Quite honestly, I don't know how to pronounce it uh, completely right, but um, I'll give you that. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right, what, what do you guys think about those signings for the Blackhawks? I, I don't like what the Blackhawks are doing at all with their rebuild or their alleged rebuild because they're not even rebuilding. They're just holding on to the core they had from 10-plus years ago and getting rid of all their prospects. Um, but they're just 
they, they don't have much on their roster at all. And at this point, they're just filling stop gaps. I love Domi as a player. I like Athanizo. Athanizo. I like I like them both as players, but they're not the long term answer that they need because they're both on one year deals. Or just like I said, they're just stop gaps. So I like them as players. I don't like what the Blackhawks are doing by signing them to one year deals. Pat, I'm kind of in the same boat. I love Max Domi. I really was. I was hoping we could bring him back in free agency. It kind of hurt when he signed with Chicago. They overpaid Andres. They severely overpaid him, I think, because he is not, even though it's only a one-year $3 million contract, he is not worth $3 million at all. And like you said, the Blackhawks, they have been in a quote-unquote rebuild since they won uh, the Stanley Cup. And like you said, they just keep shipping off other prospects and signing the wrong players where they don't need them. And I don't know what they're thinking, really, because, yeah, I get it, your core won you that Stanley Cup, but that was almost, what, 12 years ago? Yeah. So stop holding on to the past. It's time to move on. I will say, though, we did fleece them when we traded them, Seth Jones. So shout out Chicago for making the Blue Jackets better. Um, But yeah, that's the only thing they've done that's been good for the entire league since 2012. Yeah, and we've fleeced them multiple times. Obviously, the Panarin trade and uh, the Seth Jones. What's funny about Seth Jones is that, you know, they they tied him down to like an eight year contract way overpaid him i think like 10 million a year uh maybe even more around there and they're already looking to ship him it's it's just hilarious and i i almost feel bad for blackhawks fans but they had enough success so they they can they can sit down at the bottom of the league like we have for quite some time so yeah blackhawks i don't know what you're doing all right yes interesting moves from the blackhawks i don't know much about hockey, but it sounds like you guys do. <laughs> At least pretend you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. You guys are educating me quite well on this. Uh, moving on to Dan and Pat, I believe, favorite team, the Colorado Avalanche, aside from the Blue Jackets, of course. Of course. The Colorado Avalanche re-signed Arturi Lekkonen. Correct. Wow. And Josh Manson. Yes. Did not think I was going to get those ones <laughs> right. So good on me for that. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of those moves by the NHL champions, the Colorado both, both were excellent moves because they got hot very at the right moment at the end of the season in the playoffs. Arturi Lekkonen was one of the more underrated contributors to that team. They were the reason why they had the best team in the league that won the Stanley Cup. And same with Josh Manson. I, I actually really wanted the Blue Jackets to get Josh Manson because he has that grit. He's got that physicality that you need out of a defenseman. And he, like I said, they both got hot at the right time. And I think that if they want to go back to the, the uh, Stanley Cup, it's these players that you need in addition to your obvious ones, your Kale McCars, your Nathan McKinnons. It's these players that will definitely help you get there. I completely agree. I was a huge fan. And like you kind of said, I kind of wanted us to get Josh Manson. But I'm glad to see he's back on the Avalanche. Honestly, whatever team beats the Tampa Bay Lightning is my second favorite team. So... <laughs> There's that, but um, it's good to see that they're bringing back some of the key contribu- contributors to that uh, most recent Stanley Cup victory over the Lightning. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah, as long as Tampa Bay does not succeed in at the league anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with whatever happens because I'm sick and tired of seeing them win. Also, I do want to say this. While we're on the topic of Tampa Bay, still, to this day, there has only been one team that has swept the Tampa Bay Lightning in the NHL playoffs, and that is your very own Columbus Blue Jackets. We're winning the Stanley Cup next year. Don't worry. I could see it. 
<laughs> I'm very knowledgeable. Yeah, Logan agrees. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have the Ottawa Senators signing Claude Giroux to a three-year $19.5 million deal. That would be Claude Giroux. Close. You had, you had a good run, though. You had a good <laughs> it run. It was a good couple answers there. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about the signings for the Senators and how it affects them? I absolutely love this move by the Senators. It seems out of nowhere they are building themselves back into a really good team after being just abysmal ever since that playoff loss to the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins a couple years ago. But Giroux, he was the centerpiece for the Philadelphia Flyers for who knows how long, a very long time. He went to the Panthers to try to make a, cup, uh, a run for the Cup didn't work out there and so the ottawa senators signed him to a three-year 19.5 million dollar deal which i think is a pretty good deal for someone of his caliber and now you bring someone with very good experience very good veteran leadership uh to that young ottawa senators team and i think they're making some really good moves and i think that they might just end up being a playoff team Ooh. i completely agree they've had a very uh, they've had a lack of success recently but um this signing, it's it's very good. I'm a big fan of this. I would argue to say that the Ottawa Senators had one of the best offseasons so far. I would make that argument. Not the best, but one of the best. The best yeah. um, they've been doing. They've been uh, signing really good players. This is basically just the icing on the cake for them. Dan, like you said, I don't see a reason why they can't be contenders soon. Because they're making the proper moves right now. And they're doing what needs to be done. They they remember, because even though they've been in that slump, I know for a fact their fan base and that team, they remember that loss to the Penguins, and they're going to come back once they hit the playoffs, and they're going to hit the ground running when that happens. Absolutely. Next team up, the New York Rangers. They signed Vincent Trocek to a yep. seven-year, $39.4 million deal. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. What do you guys think about that move? Um, I also like this one because... Like we were talking about earlier, they ended up losing Ryan Strom to the Anaheim Ducks, but they did get an upgrade with Carolina Hurricanes' Vincent Trocek. I believe he's bounced around quite a bit. He's someone who I also would have liked to see in a Columbus Blue Jackets uniform. But the Rangers, they made a really good signing here to try to get right back into Stanley Cup contention because they were really hot last year. They they or This last playoffs, I should say. Um coming back from being down three to one uh, twice so i think that he's a great signing for the rangers to pair along with artemi panarin and mika zibanejad i completely agree i was a huge fan of the signing i i will say this does boost them a lot but i don't know if they're going to go to the stanley cup or not because honestly uh shesterkin did not perform up to the caliber that we saw um him play at during the regular season so i'm saying that you know while I do think Vincent does boost them, I don't know if they're going to make it because I don't know if Shesterkin has that playoff clutch factor that we were all expecting him to have. But I do think slotting him in with like Panarin, I think that's a phenomenal move. Gotta love Panarin. Got gotta love the bread man, man. I mean, I have forgiven <laughs> him. I I will say okay. I I will say I have forgiven Panarin only because he beat the Penguins. That was my yeah. forgiveness. Nobody factor. likes Pittsburgh. Nobody likes Pittsburgh except you. I only like the Steelers. I don't like which is weird. There. It's not weird. It's weird. It's not that weird. It's pretty. I weird. promise, it's not that weird. <laughs> Listen, I could be like the worst kind of like fan and be a Steelers Yankees fan because I do know people that are like that, and I That's think disgusting. they're the worst people in the world. Oh, I know people like that who also happen to be Michigan fans as well. <laughs> That's really weird. What are they gonna? Shout out to you, Uncle Ed, if you're listening. <laughs> I love you. 
<laughs> no hard feelings. Oh boy, Thanksgiving's going to be interesting after that one. Oh, it's it's always a good time. At <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Edmonton Oilers. They signed Jack Campbell to a twenty-five million dollar deal for five years, and a name that I actually do recognize: Evander yes. Kane, four-year, twenty-four point five million dollar deal. I'm assuming those are both correct. Yes. Um, I like I like the Jack Campbell signing because the Edmonton Oilers have needed a goalie for quite a while. We saw how completely night and day. I've never seen anyone so night and day as much as Mike Smith was in the playoffs. Granted, he's 41 years old, but still, if you're a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl and you're trying to make a push to the Cup and you have a 41-year-old goalie who is so just so inconsistent... Um, you, you have to have someone who is who you can rely on to be your franchise consistent goalie. So I like them signing former Maple Leafs goalie Jack Campbell. I don't know if I like signing Evander Kane because he. Well, I, I don't like him either, but he 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 did very well in the playoffs. He was super hot in the playoffs, but he just got that. He's just got that baggage on him. He's got that dog in him. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> no. Good way. no. No. He's just got a lot of baggage and I he's just so inconsistent. He's someone who I think almost like a Kyrie Irving, but not nearly as much as Kyrie Irving. He's he's got talent, but it, it's it's you gotta weigh the pros and cons of him. So I'm not sure if I would have tied him down to a four year deal, maybe another year or two. Four years is a little much for my liking, but we'll see what happens with the Oilers. I was a big fan of them signing Jack Campbell, but because of my personal feelings about Evander Kane, I was not a big fan of that. Um, like you said, I think that was a very good comparison. He's like a Kyrie Irving with the baggage that he has, um, as well as his talent level. And I agree with you. I wouldn't have given him that four-year deal. I would have given him a one-year, at most, a two-year deal just to see if he could still somehow, you know, contribute. Because he did manage to get hot at the right moment. But, I mean, other than that, I don't know if I would have tied him down to that four-year deal with everything that he has with him, with all that extra baggage. I, I don't know if I would have done that. Yeah, Absolutely. Moving on to Pat's favorite team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. Resigning Eric Cernak, Anthony Sorelli, and Michael Sergebeck? That would be... You got the second one right. Eric Chernak, Anthony Sorelli, and Mikhail Sergachev. Close enough. So, yeah, you were one for three. So I'll, I'll count that as wrong. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about Pat's favorite team, the Tampa Bay Lightning? <laughs> and my favorite team. And too. Dan's favorite team. Everybody's favorite team. Everybody loves the Lightning. <laughs> yeah, of course. Who doesn't? I love the Lightning. They play by the rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I like these signings because it does keep that core together. Because kind of like what I was saying about uh, the Avalanche keeping Lekkonen and Manson around, they aren't the superstars of the team, but they are the contributors that you need to win a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, along with obviously your Braden Point, your Steven Stamkos, your Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman. Uh, I, you know, I can just go on and on just because that's how good that team is. So I think the signings are really smart by Tampa Bay even though I would have liked maybe one of them to uh, join the Blue Jackets. I'm going to be honest here. From an actual team standpoint, phenomenal moves. For my personal reasons, I don't want to comment on the Tampa Bay Lightning bringing back their super team right now. I just, it's like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're like the Golden State Warriors. Like, they're just, they're good. And nobody likes them, but they're just good. They just got all the star power. And it's really, really annoying to see them bring back 
all of their key pieces every year. Again, not a fan of the Lightning, but man, they they know how to keep players around. Yeah, and I agree with you. I would have ra- I would have loved to see some of these guys suit up in jackets, uniforms. But uh, phenomenal moves by Tampa. Absolutely. Uh, next up, the Washington Capitals signed Darcy Kemper to a five-year, wow. twenty-six point twenty-five million dollar deal. Right around. Congratulations! Wrong. You didn't uh, pronounce the U in it. Darcy Kemper. Uh-huh. Wow. He was very, very good in the uh, playoffs in the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. I wish they would have uh, kept him because the Avalanche haven't had like a, a franchise goalie in a very long time, probably since Patrick Waugh from the late 90s and 2000s. But I really liked it. Well, as a Blue Jackets fan who's competing with the Washington Capitals in the Metro. I don't like it because they've gotten better with their goaltending. But at the same time, from a team standpoint, signing him to a five-year $26.25 million deal, not bad for a team that is still hanging on to Stanley Cup hopes. I completely agree. It was a very solid signing, Dan, kind of like you said. From our division perspective, that kind of hurts because we do have to compete with them because the Capitals kind of float around where we kind of Sit, so we have to fight for them most of the time for that last uh, that last play in uh, playoff spot. Very good for a very good for that team because I'm going to be honest. The only hope that they've had in the past couple seasons has only been Alex Ovechkin, who don't get me wrong, literally one of the best players ever. Yeah. But he is getting really old, and he is not as consistent as he used to be. So it's good to see that they finally got somebody else that might be able to contribute something because the only thing they've been able to try, like they've tried to do is outscore the other team with just Ovechkin and that's not going to work so it's good to see that they did upgrade and improve their team a lot next up the New Jersey Devils signed Andre Palat to a five year 30 million dollar deal right or wrong correct Andre Palat I'm surprised you didn't say Andres or something like that Andre Palat he was also a a big contributor to that uh, Tampa Bay Lightning team that won the two straight cups but Five years, $30 million, averaging about $6 million a year. I think that's a bit of an overpay. I think he will not be nearly as good as he was in Tampa as he'll do in New Jersey. I'm not a big fan. I mean, ha- getting someone on a team that's rebuilding, that's building into something special that New Jersey is, this is a guy who you want on the team. I just don't know if I would have paid $6 million a year for him. I completely agree. The, the Devils have been kind of in that little rebuild stage, and they're starting to come out of it. I just don't think he's going to perform without the team that he was with because he was in a one of the best systems that hockey has ever seen. And to take him away from that, I don't know if he's going to perform as well as he did, even though he's a phenomenal player. So I, I do agree it is a bit of an overpay. I don't think I would have tied him to thirty million a year like I would have or thirty million for that five years. I think I would have done like twenty million for those five years instead. But either way you look at it, it's still a pretty solid player, pretty solid signing by the Devils. Absolutely. Uh, John Klingberg, Nazem Kadri, both remain free agents. What are your thoughts on that? Did I get the second name right? Uh, it would be Nazem Kadri. So, not quite. But I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that the Avalanche, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to re-sign Nazem Kadri. But at the same time, he's been there for a while. This was like a breakout year for him. They've never seen anything like what he's been playing out of him. And so for him to go on the chair that he was on, to win the cup in the fashion that he did, I think that is one heck of a way to uh, essentially 
you know, leave the Colorado Avalanche was to win the cup with him, for him to win the cup with them, and uh, we'll see where he goes. And as for Jonathan Klingberg, I think there's a lot of destinations for him. I think that since he's getting up there, teams may not want to pay as much for him, but he's still a solid player that I think a lot of teams may uh, need. I could see maybe Seattle taking a run at him. Uh, perhaps, and maybe even maybe Seattle even goes after Nazem Kadri because they got Burakovsky. Maybe they want that same chemistry there. Um, but I think these guys will be signed before long. I completely agree. I actually have landing spots for both these players. Um, so for Klingsberg, I have him going to Seattle because I do think they will take that chance. Even though, like you said, he is getting up there in age, I think that they'll take that chance um, because of his name, because of what he's done, and they want to get that veteran presence in their system. So they that. And as for uh, Nazem, I'm, ha- I'm going to say he's going to go to L.A. Okay. I want to see him on the Kings sleeper team. I could definitely, I could see that. I know. I know so much about hockey that I could see that. <laughs> I really could. Logan, <laughs> I got to take you to a game one of these days. I would love to go. Whether that's the Blue Jackets or even it's the Monsters. My, my grandparents yeah. have season tickets for the Blue Jackets. They love them. They both well, they live, there you in, they go. live in Columbus. They there love you them. go. You gotta go. There's, there's nothing like if that. this is the year to bandwagon the Blue Jackets because they got Johnny Hockey, which we will be talking about in the next segment, and they got a really special team that they're building. And if anyone's going to jump on the Blue Jackets bandwagon, now is the time because we have something special going. Absolutely. And you know what? That is a great time to bring us into break right before we get into the bandwagon Columbus Blue Jackets and potentially a Stanley Cup appearance next year, according to Pat and Dan, for that matter. Uh, we're going to go into break. We'll continue our NHL talk right when we get back and then finish up with a little bit of NFL Jeopardy. Stick with us right here on Sports Power Talk Z88. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk, where we are talking about the NHL as we speak. I'm your host, Logan Congram. Joining me is... Baker Mayfield. <laughs> oh, don't, don't do that to me, man. You can't do that to me. Don't get him riled up. Not uh, you can't do that to me. We got too much to talk about still to get to do that to me. Also joining me is... Dan Groen. And we are still talking about the NHL as we are about to get into a little bit of Blue Jackets talk. Uh, Baker Mayfield, yeah, good one there. I'm not even. Don't even get me started. Worst quarterback in the NFL. But, um, but I, I told you I was going to do it. So of course, it was it was a fair warning. Okay, that I, that I mentioned it. All right, Can we're going we just to keep his name like out of our mouths just for one week. For one just, show, just one that's week. all I wanted to say. I'm one not week. even going to bring him up the rest of the show. Jake, I won't bring him up. I won't bring him up. There we go. I I got my words in last week on a call in when I was in Florida, <laughs> so I'll keep that. I'll keep that right there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stick with the NHL, and specifically our team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, signing Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, to a seven-year, $68.6 million deal, as well as they signed Eric Gudbranson to a four-year, $60 million Goodbranson, deal. Yep. Did I get both those right? You got him right. Perfect. I am excited that I got those right. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be a good year for the Blue Jackets. I think so. And, oh, oh my. The, the fact that we got... Johnny Hockey. It's a good signing. I'm not even a hockey fan, and I know that's a good signing. $9.8 million a year, which is a steal, considering that Calgary has reportedly offered him $10 million. I even saw reports that said $15 to $17.5 million a year, which I don't necessarily buy. I don't think that's the case. But the fact that we got him, the city that allegedly no one wants to play for, we got him. You know, and that's the thing. I do not like that narrative at all. 
because it has nothing to do with the city. It has everything to do with the fact that we have not had much success in our 20 year existence. It was, it, you know, Ohio State is in Columbus, obviously, and that's like the most desired school to go to for athletics. And yet people are saying that it's the city of Columbus is the reason why no one wants to play for the Blue Jackets. No. But that's not the case. I like Columbus. Columbus is a great city. It's a cool place. Uh, he actually, Johnny Gaudreau actually said that he has always loved the city of Columbus when he first came here. Well, first of all, he was terrified to death about the cannon. Uh, there's that video where he, when the cannon went off, he, he jumped. He had the, you know what, scared out of him. Um, but honestly, I... I can't say enough good things about this signing. I absolutely love it. And I, I I could just go on all day. And I'm just happy that we have him for seven uh, years at less than $10 million a year. And uh, with him, I think we are right back into playoff contention. We are at more than playoff contention. Oh. Johnny Hockey. We are Stanley Cup champions. Champions or contenders? Champions. Okay. Like Be- this year? Yeah. Well, you know what? Okay, if if we if we bring back Patrick Laine, then yes. Because right now we still haven't re-signed him, but like Yes, Patrick Lane does remain a restricted free agent for I the Blue Jackets. Laine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I have to do for that one. Unfortunately, <laughs> Very wrong name. I thought I thought you were being serious there cuz no. I know that Jake is serious when he No, I was being Lane. I was being serious. Ah. I got it wrong. Give it a give it a double whammy then. Double one. <laughs> I I remember when uh, Dan when you text in our uh, SPT group chat, and I just saw the amount of just oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I was like, okay, we re-signed Patrick Laine, and then I saw that you oh. you informed me that we signed Johnny Hockey, and I almost cried because yeah. I was like, oh my god, we have a chance, we have you hope. Called me in tears. I was <laughs> so happy when I was. I was so happy. Wish we had that call. I would play it on air. Uh, I, yeah, probably no, not. probably <laughs> not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, but I was, I was thrilled. I was beyond thrilled. I was oh, beyond boy. thrilled with this signing. I mean, you know, he had talked about wanting to move closer to home. He wanted to go to Philly. Philly doesn't have the cap space to sign him. But you know who does have the cap space and who did sign him? Columbus. Yeah. Love I it. also want to point out the entire city of Calgary. They are very upset at us right now. Yes. Their news stations oh were for in shambles. Yeah. One of their news stations was like, and now we're going to... about it. Oh, what, what, what did the one guy from the news station say? Oh, he said, all right, we're going to sign off. And uh, uh, yeah, how did he word it? He's like, oh, oh yeah, I, I remember. He said, I'll be back at 11. Unless some news station in Columbus offers me way less money, <gasps> they'll probably take that. And then they actually played along with it because then Columbus, uh, this Columbus news station was like, hey, we'll, we'll offer you. They, they brought out this giant check and on it, it said, way less money. And they said, hey, <laughs> you're welcome to come here. And it's like, ah, now, now I got to weigh this out. Should I go? Should I stay? And I just love how they were going along with That's it. That's great. Because, you know, I empathize with Calgary fans, but I do not sympathize with them because we have been on the losing end of this for so long. We've had the same thing happen with Artemi Panarin. We offer him a big contract, $10 million a year. He says no, and he takes less money to go to New York. How many times, how many other times has that happened to us? Way too many. So I'm glad that we were able to be on the winning end of this, get a free agent, and hopefully what that means for Patrick Laine is that maybe he stays here on a slightly cheaper deal because he knows that we can see a lot of success with it. 100%, because when when you look at what our first line can be with 
it, say we get Patrick on it, we bring him back. Because we do still have him for one more year, at least. Yeah. So if we bring him back, you look at our first line. You're going to have Boone Jenner, uh, Johnny Hockey, Patrick Laine, Zach Rowinski, Jacob Voracek, and Elvis Merzlinkis in at goal. There is no reason in my mind that we cannot be Stanley Cup contenders, if not Stanley Cup champions. I would pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, I think we do have the, the roster for it. The only, th- you know, obviously with the NHL playoffs, it's all about experience. And so I think we can be right back into the playoffs as early as this year. Now, my thing is, is that if we want to bring back line A to a, a long extension, like say five years, let's just say, I don't know, eight to $10 million a year, maybe even reaching 11. I don't know. We are going to have to send away some pieces because we do not, if, if, some team were to offer line A an offer right now, we do not have the cap space to match it. So what I would do to clear up cap space, and I actually found this uh, uh, post on Reddit, actually, which kind of which was intriguing to me, if I could find it. The Jackets, let's just say we send off Jacob Voracek, Emil Bemstrom, Jake Bean, and maybe a couple picks to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin one of the more underrated defensemen in the league who only has a, ha- a cap hit of, I think, like $4.5 million. That clears up about $12 million in cap space. We sign him, and that leaves just enough to try to get line in. And for safe measure, if you want to throw in Gus Nyquist, that's an additional almost $5 million a year. That would definitely leave us with not only enough money to keep line long-term, but to have a... Uh, to have a, a top pair defenseman to pair with Zach Wierenski, that that can bump peak down to the second line or to the second pair. That moves Goodbranson down to the third. I think that would make us almost, I, I don't want to say guaranteed, because nothing is guaranteed in this league, but that would make us easily playoff contenders if that were to happen. I completely agree, except I, I don't know if I want to move away from Jacob Voracek with how much he contributed to our he team. He contributes a lot. He contributes a lot, but he has a cap hit of $8 million. That, to me, that's a little much for someone. I love him. He's one of the... Uh, the he, he, had, he had some of the most assists in the entire league, but with, with someone of his age... I, for $8 million a year, I would try to move. He would be the piece I would move before I would move on from, say, an Oliver Bjorkstrand easily. Well, 100%. I mean, well, Bjorkstrand's one of the best players on our team, yeah. like easily. But I'm just thinking, like, even though Yessi is an $8 million hit, he contributed. Him and Patrick Laine meshed so well yeah. together. So what I'm thinking is we – I love that trade. But I don't know. I, I would throw in Nyquist before I would think about moving Voracek. And that's just because even though we would have less cap space, yes, we still would have enough. To, we would still have enough room to work with Line A at least and keep Jacob Voracek. Because at the beginning of the season, when we made that trade and we shipped Cam Atkinson off the Philly and we got Jacob Voracek, I was not happy. Yeah. Um, because Cam Atkinson was one of the only like true jackets left in my mind because he had been there since his career started, and I thought he was going to finish his career in a Blue Jackets uniform. I wasn't a fan of that trade, but then looking at the impact that Atkinson had on the Flyers compared to what Voracek had for us, I'm glad we made that trade because Voracek, I think he only had like two or three goals this year, but he had well over, what was it, 40, 50 assists? Like, he was piling them up, and most of them were going to Lion A. That's why... 
when we're looking at all these trades, I mean, yeah, we want to be able to work and re-sign Patrick Laine, but I really want us to try to keep Voracek just because of how well he facilitates the puck on the ice. He's the best playmaking defenseman out there, and I just don't want to move away from that. Yeah, and then uh, real quick before we go into NFL uh, Jeopardy, which is something I really want to get into, what would your lines look like for, because at least your starting lineup, okay? Because I have, for four words, Goudreau, Jenner, and Line on the top line, Nyquist, Sillinger, Bjorkstrand on the second, Kent Johnson at left wing, maybe develop him at left wing before you move him to center, Kent Johnson, Roslovic, Chinakov on the third, and then one of either Marchenko or Robinson, Corrali, and then Texier. So those are the four words. And then defensemen, this is, I'm going to say, if we get Chikrin and if we don't. If we get Chikrin, Zach Wierenski and Chikrin, Gavrikov and Peak, and then one of either Boquist and Bean and Goodbranson on the bottom one. And then if we don't get if we don't get uh, Chikrin, then you move Peak up to the top, Goodbranson up to the second, and then have uh, Nick Blankenberg on the uh, bottom line. I like that. Um, like I kind of touched on, I already kind of hinted at what my uh, first line would be. Where obviously, you know, off the bat, you've got Gaudreau, you've got Boone Jenner, you've got Patrick Liney. That's your three easily. And then, like I said, I really want us to keep Rowenski up on that first line. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He's one of the best two-way defensemen in the NHL. So I'm a big fan of having him around. Um, I don't... I really want to keep Voracek out on the ice as much as I as much as possible. But at the same time, I would like for us to try to take a chance and maybe put Goodbranson at second line, maybe even first. Because I think he could make a good impact, especially because he came from Calgary, so he and uh, Goodbranson have to have some decent chemistry there. So Or Gaudreau, sorry. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah. just think that, you know, maybe slot him in at the first line and see how that works for a couple games. But, you know, we just got to wait and see how it plays out because we've got a very uh, in-depth roster this uh, season. All right, great analysis there on the Blue Jackets and all of the NHL analysis. Thanks, guys, for that. I actually feel very informed now because I wasn't before, to be honest. <laughs> um, we're going to get into our NFL Jeopardy segment with Dan Groen, host That's Dan right. Groen of NFL Jeopardy. <laughs> it's is, about that time. Dan, take it away. This is the first time we've ever done something like this, at least in my time being up here. And I'm really excited because it's something I've been wanting to do for a while now. So, like, it's self-explanatory. NFL Jeopardy, Pat and Logan are contestants. If you want to guess an answer, just raise your hand. Whoever raises it first, I will, I will uh, go to you. So... It's just like regular Jeopardy. We got 100 through 500 for our clues, and we got five categories. And if we have time constraints, we'll just jump right into final Jeopardy, where you will make your wagers. So the categories are on the map, which we'll be discussing, like relocation and expansion, Super Bowl classics, NFL records, short-lived stars, and fabric of the game, which is like jerseys and logos and that kind of thing. Okay. So... Uh, Logan, you are the host. I will send it to you first. All right. So on the map, Super Bowl classics, records, short-lived stars, and fabric of the game. I'm going to go records. Okay. For how much? 100? Yeah. Records 100. Some of these will be easier. Some of these will not be. These two edge rushers share the NFL record for most sacks in a season. Oh, man. It's on the tip of my tongue. Pet. Do you have any guesses? You may. No, I get. I don't got it. You mean you? You mean the the guy who you? Oh wait, 
wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait, wait. You said edge rushers, right? Yes. For the most sacks. Yes. I want to say Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. No. That would be. How do you? How do you not know this? It is T.J. Watt and Michael Strahan. Twenty-two and a half sacks. Oh wait, you're talking about sack? Oh, I thought we were talking about. I said. Oh, I thought you meant two on the same team. No. Well, I said T.J. Watt. That should count. You said she. T- you didn't say the other one, though. Well, okay, because well, I thought you meant like on the same. All right, so no one time, gets that so. one. So wow. Logan will send it back to I'm you. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed now. Let me do on the map for 300. All right. The Los Angeles Rams have moved around a lot from city to city over the years. However, which team did the Rams originate in? They originate. What where, city did they originate? Where in? did the Rams originate? Los Angeles. Wrong. Pat, do you know I this? They originated. It, well, I, it's St. Louis, but I thought no. they started in L.A. No, they started in L.A., didn't they? Wait, they actually started, believe it or not, right here in Cleveland. What? Oh, wait, they did. they did. I forgot about they that. Did. They, they did. And then, after winning the championship in 1945, they were booted out by the Cleveland Browns. So, Logan, we will send it back to you again. Uh, let me do. <laughs> let me do on the map again for 500. 500. Okay. This defunct local team were the very first champions in NFL history, which was then known as APFA. Keyword, local. I know that the location is Canton. Is it the Canton? Mm. I'm just going to stop you right there because it is not Canton. Think local. It's the, I know they were in Akron. Yes. I, the, what, wait, wasn't it the... Oh, what were they called? Oh. Five. Four, I three. don't remember. I I know that the uh, I know the first NBA champions were also from here. It was the Akron Pros. Oh, so we are off to a flying that. start right I know now. That now that you said it, okay. we're so good at this. I will we're actually so send informed. it to you now. Yeah, I'll send it to you now, Pat. <laughs> we're so informed on everything. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Um, you can guess on I the map. I want the Super Bowl classic. Super Bowl 500. classics five hundred. The San Francisco 49ers played this team in the Super Bowl twice, once led by Joe Montana in 1982 and the other by Steve Young in 1989. Logan. The Bengals. Correct. That would be the Cincinnati Bengals. So, Logan, it is yours. You have 500, and I don't even know what we're at right now. I'm not even keeping score. Uh, We're just going to go with how many people uh, get it right or wrong, I guess. So, Logan, you got one right. Uh, each of you have a lot wrong, so Logan, <laughs> you can guess again. Let me go with uh, Super Bowl Classics for 300. In Super Bowl three, which featured these two teams, this is the only Super Bowl, yeah, the only Super Bowl matchup that cannot possibly happen today among today's conference alignment as they are both now in the AFC. So which teams were those? AFC. I had a guess, but they were not in the AFC, so... Hmm. Any guesses here? I, I got, I got nothing. I had a guess, right, and then Pat. you said AFC. They are both I, in the AFC. I, I had a guess as well, but then the minute you said they're both in the AFC, I completely mind went blank. So right. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> got it. That would be the Joe Namath led New York Jets. And the Baltimore Colts. Oh, uh, okay. I, so I knew the Jets were one of them because wasn't that when they won the Super Bowl? Yes. Okay, I knew that, but I didn't know who the other. T- I didn't know what the other team was. Off All right. the top of my head. All right. So, 
Still one for uh, however many. So, uh, Pat, you can uh, you can have the board now. I'll let you have it. Uh, let's do the um, let's on the map Super Bowl classics, NFL records, short lived stars, let's and fabric of the game. The, let's go with short lived stars for two hundred. All right, let us uh, find that one. I just had it up. Here we go. After winning Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2013, this former Pro Bowl running back saw a heavy decline as injuries shortened his once promising career. Logan. Who is Devontae Freeman? Wrong. Keyword, heavy. Heavy. Who? Pro Bowl running back. A lot of injuries. Oh. Would you know this? It's literally on the tip of my tongue right now. It's on the tip of my tongue We got it wrong, so I can't go back to you. I feel, I, I, I feel like it's on top of my tongue. Five. Wait. Four. Uh, is it Todd three. Gurley? No. I know it. Logan. Who is who is, won't get who it. is Eddie Lacy? That would be Eddie Lacy. Oh, you wow, are right. I forgot about but, him. <laughs> but Eddie Lacy. You are not going to get the points because you already got it's it wrong okay. the first time. I'll take them all. You know what? You know what? Since this is going so smoothly, I'll give you half a point. How about that? Oh, all right. Thanks, So Dan. you got one and a half. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. So since you got that half point, Logan, you can select... Um, let me do short-lived stars for 500. All right. This Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns set a franchise record for most receiving touchdowns in a season in 2007 before regressing into oblivion and having major character issues, including picking a fight with one of LeBron James's best friends. Ooh. So Pro Bowl receiver from 2007. For the Browns, he was amazing. He was a college superstar, had one good year with us, and dipped. Any guesses? Oh, man. That's all you, Mr. Browns fan. Do you want, I, I, had a I can give you a game. hint. He okay. was a Michigan superstar in college. Oh. Mm. No takers? I got nothing. All right. That would be Braylon Edwards. No! Yes, yeah, the case of the dropsies there. So, um, Pat, the we will case, go to you. The case of the dropsies, I like it. Um, did you say there's like a logo one? Yes, Fabric I, of the Game. There's well, let's, logos let's and jerseys. Of, let's do Fabric of the Game for 300. 300. Founded in 2002, this team has made almost no changes to their look in their 20-year the existence. Texans. There you go. <laughs> the, the minute I heard 2002, I'm like, yes. Yeah, yep, the there you go. So. They're, they're, aren't they the most recent addition yes. to the NFL? Okay, I thought Correct. So. So, there you go. Yeah. Felt like throwing a freebie in there for y'all. Yeah. All right. So, Pat, go ahead. All right. um, Let's go ahead and do Fabric of the Game again for 500. All right. This team carried a color scheme similar to that of Michigan and even Pittsburgh before aptly switching to their current look in the 50s that better fits their city. Ooh. Any any takers? Any guesses here? You said it's like... Pittsburgh. It was it was like Pittsburgh and it was like the Michigan Wolverines. Oh. Five. I wanna I'm gonna four, take a, a random guess and say Green Bay. That guess would be right. Oh wow, okay, okay. I was just thinking of who else had like that yellow in their, yes, uh, in they their had team like scheme. This, they had like this blue and yellow a yeah, long time ago. I was just so. thinking of who had that distinct yellow that like Pittsburgh has and that like yes. Michigan has. And uh the only one I could draw up was Green Bay. Right. So how many points do you guys have? I am I'm I'm already losing count. I think I got two and Logan's got... I think I got like a million. What? Sure. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All we'll, right. We'll do another clue and then we will hit uh, final Jeopardy. So, um, Pat, you can uh, you can have the board. All right. Uh, let's go with... Mm, I want to do Fabric of the Game. I'm on fire with Fabric of the Game right now. So I'm going to do fabric, fabric of the Game for 400. All right. 
This team had to rebrand their logo and jersey design before they even began play as it too closely resembled the branding of a car company. What? This a team, car company. they had branding that was very similar to a car company, and they had a logo that they had to, they couldn't use. Can I ask a question? You may ask a question. Is, it, is this something that happened, like, far in the past? Like, no. This happened in the last couple decades. Okay, de- okay. Um, I got nothing. Who's right, that's got Lions. nothing. That would be incorrect. That would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really? Oh, because okay. their logo oh, was too similar okay, to the yeah, Jaguars. No, I, I remember that original logo that was like... I, I've yes, it was like the so Leaping yeah. Leopard. It, it looked like the Jaguar logo, yeah. All right. I was thinking Ford, Detroit. That's where I was going with that. Yes. That makes more sense. All right. So, final Jeopardy. We're just going to go to this. Winner takes all. How about that? Um, So, the category is, who am I? I'm going to read off someone's stats and accolades. You are going to guess who it is. I was drafted in the first round in 1983 and played until 2000. I'm a nine-time Pro Bowler who has won MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, three first-team All-Pros, and three second-team All-Pros. I lead the league in passing yards five times throughout my career and passing touchdowns three times. Needless to say, I am in the Hall of Fame. I will give you guys a couple seconds to think about that. I will repeat some of them. He played from 1983 to 2000, nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. He won MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. He is in the Hall of Fame. I might have a guess. Logan, the board or the the uh, the mic is yours. Who is Steve Young? Wrong. That mm. is not Steve Young. I'm I'm drawing up some blanks here now too. I got. I'll let you have a guess, and you know what? To be generous, I will let you guys have a second guess. All I will right, throw in another guess. clue. All right. Let's. Mm, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank right now. I feel like I need that second clue. All right. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, both yours again. All right. Of my many accolades, a Super Bowl is not one of them. Is not one. Ooh. Any takers? Five, four, three. Logan? Boomer Esiason? No. This would be first round pick out of the University of Pittsburgh and Miami Dolphins legend oh, Dan, Dan Marino. Marino. The minute the minute you just said Pittsburgh, I was like, "Oh, it's Dan Marino." Dan Marino, I that is right. Damn, I, he was in the I don't know, he was in the league for that long. He was I not. Thought he, but I thought uh Wow, okay. Pat, you are the de facto winner because you yeah. walked away with 2 points as opposed to 1 and a half. So, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, man. we're we're so good at this, guys. We're we're really, you know, in-depth knowledgeable about the history was, of sports. That was something. <laughs> that was something else. I only won because I know jerseys. <laughs> Yay. There you go. Good on you, Pat. Really. We, uh, we, should get, uh, we should get Marcus on next time. I can just run through all the jerseys. <laughs> he would kill that. Marcus would smoke everybody oh, with that. Would. Marcus should be the one who comes up with the questions because I think he would stump all of us. I, I think you're right. I think he definitely would. All right, guys. It's going to about do it for us today as we wrap up our show. Started off talking about the NBA. Then we went through, talked a little bit about LIV Golf and the PGA Tour. Make sure you vote on our Around the Rue on WZIP Sports on Twitter. Going to actually pull up the results as of right now for you. It appears right now we are sitting at... Let me find the poll. 50-50 right now with four votes. 
says, yes, they should, and no, they shouldn't. Make sure you go on our Twitter, at WZIP Sports, and go and vote on that. And we went on, talked a lot about the NHL, some great analysis from Pat and Dan there. Thank you again for that. And then finished up with a little bit of NFL Jeopardy. Clearly, Pat and I have some things to work on. Yeah, we gotta we gotta study up, man. That Absolutely, was, that was a little bit embarrassing right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, listen. Yeah, man, listen, come on, listen, you can't listen, be a Steelers listen, fan listen, and not listen, know that. Listen, listen, I thought so. My brain read that as they were on the same team at the same time. But I heard leading. You did get that. I'll give you that. So then, of course. I, I know. Make sure you listen to Sports Power Talk Overtime on all major podcasting platforms, as well as if you missed any of today's show, you can check it out on Sports Power Talk Rewind, also available on any major podcasting platform. Guys, any final thoughts? Go Jackets for winning the Stanley Cup now that we got Johnny Hockey. And uh, as always, forever in my heart, go Zips and go Steelers. Dan? Uh, No, boo Steelers. (laughs) But other than that... Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Hockey is a blue jacket. That is all I have to say. Absolutely. I just want to give a quick shout-out to my sister. Her birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Olivia. Um, Shout-out, Haley. Uh, Shout-out, Akron City FC for finishing the season out with a win over the Erie Commodores at Green Street Stadium. It's pretty cool that we have a professional soccer team now. It was an honor to be able to work with them. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. I'm your host, Logan Congrove. Stay peaceful, stay fun, and we will see you next week.